Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on Evening to you, everyone. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Tuesday night, April 8th, 2014. 48 hours removed from WrestleMania 30, 24 hours removed from Monday Night Raw. This is Pure Gold, the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino and my co-host is David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I am doing fabulous, just excited to get another episode of PG started as always. And of course, folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, give us a call, 714-364-4721. And of course, our website, puregoldpg.com, where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and all that other goodness, Joe. I know we have a lot lined up this evening. Break it down, sir. Will do, will do. Mr. Ken Reedy, longtime friend of the show, will be joining us to talk about WrestleMania 30. He probably was our beat reporter because he does go to every WrestleMania live and in person, so we'll get some thoughts from him. And then later on the show, we'll get our thoughts from our resident expert, Pyro Falcon, from OnlineOnsult.com. But, sir, let's get right into it. 48 hours removed. It's 11.01, so the pay-per-view was just ended 48 hours ago. And um, a ho-hum pay-per-view up until right around, I'd say, 2 hours and 49 minutes, 2 hours and 50 minutes, where we saw the end of the streak. And, sir, I had to actually call you because we weren't watching the pay-per-view together, being both a little bit under the weather. But I never thought it would happen. But, sir, your initial thoughts when you first saw The Undertaker get pinned for 1, 2, 3. There wasn't much time for me to react because you called me like four seconds later. I was laying in bed. Um, my the one daughter was sleeping, my younger daughter. So I was just watching and trying not to make any noise. And then all of a sudden, I saw Brock Lesnar pinned. And by the way, Brock Lesnar, the only man to kill a shark, and now the only man to defeat <laughs> the Undertaker, the one in the 21-1. and one. But I, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. Never in a million years did I think Brock Lesnar was going to win. I actually think that in our last show, uh, I picked Brock to win just to go against the grain and just to say, well, you know, I'm going to be wrong about this anyway. But no one in the world that I did, no way did I think that he was going to win. Um, Pat said that he picked Brock. I'm not sure if he did. I don't think he did when he was on our show. But regardless of what, regardless of what, um, I was stunned, utter disbelief, like that, like the black dude with the glasses of the Just Say Yes shirt. Uh, that picture that's famous and going around on the internet, I, I literally, I mean, I felt like the wind was knocked out of me. I couldn't, I was so stunned. Words can't even express, sir. It was just unfathomable. The fact that the streak had ended, um, I mean, Taker looked, looked old in the match. He didn't look good, I don't think. But, man, wow, that was, that, that was, just, I'm still in shock, sir, and it's been two days. You know, it doesn't really matter what people say. Even if you said Pat or you picked The Undertaker, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, at this point, The Undertaker streak was going to go on forever. If you ask me, um, nobody could have predicted this, obviously, unless you're within the uh, within the company. You know the writing and, and all the booking that's going to happen. But, sir, I mean, think about it. The, he was 21 oh He was going to wrestle maybe one more pay-per-view, people, uh, one more WrestleMania. People were talking about how... They were going to line up him against Sting, uh, and then, you know, we don't think Sting would have won, so we would have went something like 22, 23-0 and retired undefeated. So for all those people that said that they saw this coming, I don't think you could have honestly legitimately said that this was going to happen less, uh, two nights ago at WrestleMania 30. No, I don't, I don't think anybody could have legitimately seen this happening. But it's like we mentioned, um, the most believable person to end the streak ended the streak. I know that wrestling is fake, we all know that, blah, 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 but the fact is that the most believable person to win won. He's more believable than Shawn Michaels, he's more believable than Triple H, he's more believable than Chick the Snake Roberts, Giant Gonzalez, 
King Kong Bundy, uh, Diesel, I mean, you name it, all these guys, Sid, all the guys that have lost to him in the past. And the thing, you know, I was thinking about this, sir. For all the hate that we give The Undertaker, I, I think that uh, I need to backtrack on it for a second because the truth is everything I've always read, I don't even think the streak isn't Taker's idea. The streak was never his creation, and he's always said, and I've always read, and I've always heard, he wanted the streak to end. I mean, he was adamant about Kane being the one to end the streak, but, you know, Kane refused, and I'm sure that if he had approached Sean about it, Sean would have refused, and if he had approached Triple H about it, Triple H would have refused, because these guys see the streak as bigger than the business, these guys see the streak as, low, streak as larger than life, and they didn't want to be the ones to end it, but Taker has wanted it to end for a while, sir. So, you know, again, I have to, at the very least, give him credit for that much, because this is not like Taker refusing to job. This is WWE refusing to allow Taker to lose. And, you know, wrestling is fake, obviously, definitely, maybe. But, sir, I mean, you look at Taker and you look at that match uh, two nights ago, and you do see, like you said, you do see a, a, a guy that's old, washed up, pretty much was lying on the mat more than anything. I guess he did suffer a real-life concussion, and, and Brock Lesnar really took it to him. So in, in that in one regard, it's no shock that Brock Lesnar is the guy that beats him because Undertaker was <laughs> he was looking up at the lights a lot during that match. He was. I mean, Brock really beat his A to that double crooked letter. I mean, if the road dog can't say it, then I can't say it either. Um, I mean, Joe, he looked old. As Again, as much... As much as we dislike the streak, um, both of us would have to say that we respect The Undertaker's career. We respect what he's done. We respect the legacy that he's going to leave in wrestling. But what he's left so far, and he's always been a guy, you know, up until the last couple of years when he really just couldn't do it anymore, he's always been the type of guy to, you know, give everything that he had. I mean, he helped carry the company for years. So this is, you know, there's never uh, – people probably listen to us and think that we just were disrespectful towards The Undertaker, and that's not it. And I know that you would agree it's not that we don't respect Taker's career, and apparently, from all intents and purposes, he is the most single most respected guy in wrestling. Period. I mean, everybody respects this guy, from the lowest guy, the totem pole, to the highest guy ever. You know, the Hogan's, the Flairs, the Rocks, the Austins, you name it. They all respect this man. But the truth of the matter is, sir, that when you look at what he's been for the past couple of years, I mean, he's been a hot mess. You know, he's not in good shape anymore. His his chest looks completely caved in. He looks old. He he looks terrible. And I think it was time to end this. There, I really do. I think, you know, I think it was time to to end the streak. And you know what? They did it. And, uh, you know, kudos to them. Kudos to them for shocking the world. Kudos to them for doing this. And I'm sure the first night of the, of the paper, uh, the WWE Network, not the first night, but the first big event on the WWE Network, I'm sure that this was a part of the reason why the WWE chose this, to have something for people to talk about, sir. Um, and I know we'll get to Brock Lesnar later, but, man, uh, how amazing, sir. How absolutely amazing was that moment. You know, again, the streak, I think the streak needed to end. And I heard an interesting theory online that I wanted to run by you. I know I spoke to you about this in our usual production meeting, but what do you think about this theory? The fact that, if Taker had lost to somebody, let's say, let's say it was Roman Reigns, right? Let's say it was, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, Sheamus isn't a young guy. Let's say it was the Cesaro, although he's not all that young. Let's say it was Biggie. I don't know. Whoever, whoever were, were to win in theory, if they did defeat the Undertaker, that legacy they would have had to have lived up to the fact that they were the ones who ended the streak. And it may have crippled it may have crippled the career of whoever did it. It may have actually ruined the career of whoever actually went ahead and, and was the one hand picked to ruin to, to end the streak because people would have thought he wasn't worthy. People would have thought, you know, this guy sucks, this and that. And if he didn't have a good career afterwards, it would have looked terrible. But the fact that he didn't use the ending of the streak to push somebody, I mean, it's something. It's something that will always be talked about that it was Brock Lesnar. But I mean, Brock doesn't care. Brock does whatever he wants. Brock comes in there. You know, eat, sleep, defeat the streak, eat, sleep, beat the streak, eat, sleep, conquer, repeat, whatever catchphrase. And just on a total, and I mean complete and total side note, sir, but relative to the match, when I saw the, the Lesnar shirt on Monday, it was eat, sleep, defeat the streak, I said to myself, that's so weird. Why would they make a Brock Lesnar shirt that is going to be obsolete by the end of the week? 
It, I mean, it's a shirt that they can't. Who, who the hell is going to buy this shirt, right? And then it turns up the shirt said everything, sir. But getting back to what I was saying, when you look at Brock, the type of guy that he is, I mean, he doesn't care that the fans hate him. You know, this guy's bulletproof, basically. And like you said, he's a legit fighter. He's a legit BA guy. And I think that, in a sense, they, as much as people hate it, they pick the right guy. But what baffles me, sir, I'll, I'll let you comment on that before I get into anything else. Well, I think the, the the problem is that the WWE painted themselves into a corner when the streak got out of hand. I mean, there was not going to be a, a win-win solution here. Uh, people that want Undertaker to go undefeated for his career are disappointed. People that saw uh, Brock actually win and div, um, you know beat the streak and now is 21-1, I think that people are going to say that it's all politics and it's all because Undertaker is good friends with, with Brock Lesnar. But you even made a point to say that Way back when, you know, Kane was supposed to defeat Taker for that streak and end that streak a long time ago. So, I, I think that at this point, at 21 and 0, I think that the WWE painted themselves into a corner where there was going to be no way of just um, pleasing everybody, obviously. And they they went with a guy that's legitimately was able to outpower, out muscle um, the Undertaker and sh- and show that you know he can defeat this the the Undertaker at WrestleMania and the end the streak once and for all. I think for the shock value of it, it, it was great that it happened at WrestleMania 30. Like you said, the network was it was the network premiere pay per view. So I think they did it all um, at the right time. It's just that you're never going to win, sir. With with wrestling, it's fake. So people that do the writing, do the booking, are going to be criticized one way or the other about it. Well, gets me, sir is that people, I, I mean, I saw people saying that Vince McMahon was a disgusting piece of garbage, that how could he ruin wrestling, how could he do this, how could he make take or lose, and you know what, these people can, can fight my fanny, because there is nobody, like I said, when you look at Taker, you look at his career, you look at everything that he's done, right, and I'm talking everything he's done in his career, he decided this, he's the one who handpicked Brock Lesnar, he's the one who chose Brock Lesnar to be the guy to end the streak. There's nobody on this planet who even Taker, the way that he looks now, the, the shape that he's in, there is nobody uh, who's going to tell the Undertaker what to do. This is 100% his call. And the fact that people get upset at Vince McMahon over this is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely asinine. It's completely moronic. And people need to get their heads out of their collective rear end, sir, because Taker chose this. This was him 100%. And as a matter of fact, Vince probably only went along with it simply because he said, well, you know, this is going to generate dollar signs and this is something, like, unprecedented, and it's our first pay-per-view on the network. So, yeah, all right, let's do this. But I guarantee you Triple H tried to talk him out of it. I guarantee you there were people trying to talk Taker out of this backstage. But for the fans to get upset that The Undertaker chose Brock Lesnar, all right, yeah, maybe he's not the ideal guy that you would have wanted to in, in a wrestling sense, forget real life. But the fact is that Mark Calloway a.k.a. The Undertaker, is the one who, who decided this. And, you know, we have to just, we have to lump it. We have to go along with it. It is what it is. But, sir, um, we are going to, we're going to not, we're going to segue straight from this into our first guest of the evening. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be joined by the one and only, and it's been a long time since he's been on the show, and I think the last time he was on the show was actually live and in person back at the old Newark uh, 1640 days. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Ken Reedy of the Ken Reedy Show. Mr. Reedy, how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing all right. How are you guys doing? Hey, Ken. We are doing, uh, doing fabulous. Uh, thanks for calling in. It's been a long time since we've uh, been able to chat, as it were. And uh, You caught us in the middle of our Undertaker uh, rant, I guess you can say. We we, did, we were discussing that, that's literally the only match that we've talked about so far for the first 15 minutes of the show. And, um, I mean, Ken, you know, you were there. Tell us, to hear it, to watch it on TV is one thing, but to be there live must have been a completely different experience. So, so tell us what it was like when the fans realized the streak was over. Um, it, it was it was weird. It was probably, excuse me, one of the weirdest experiences I, I've ever been to. I, I don't think, initially, most people didn't even get it. Uh, it was one of those weird moments that, you know, most of these dramatic, especially WrestleMania matches, uh, the crowd chants like one, two, uh, on those near finishes. I mean, right. there's not even a one, two chant uh, during that count. And when the, the hand came down for a three, it was, 
it was weird. It was it was like dead silence. People started looking at each other, like, no, that, that didn't happen. They're gonna, it's a mistake. And yeah. uh, the the bell didn't ring, but Heyman slid into the ring and was like, you did it. And I don't know. It was like the it, it, it was the equivalent almost of being like punched in the gut as a fan. And and just even the thank you taker chance at the end, it was just kind of surreal. Like. It was like we felt like we were supposed to be doing that, but right, right. it was it was just utter shock, and it, it really uh, it really knocked the crowd on on their asses. Were you expecting that? I mean, I know we talked about this, and I only know one person, Pat, our old buddy Pat, says he picked on the taker to lose. I'm not sure if that's even true or not. Pat could be, you know, pulling my leg. But did you or your partner Dave? Uh, did anybody you even know think that Brock Lesnar even had a chance at winning this match? No, I mean, I, that, this was, uh, you know, we did on our show, we did our predictions for WrestleMania, and, and honestly, we probably talked about that match the least amount because we just thought it was uh, it was pretty much a gimme that Taker was going to win. Um, so it, it, it shocked us. Uh, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that it was shocking, and, you know, the match, especially when you look at the matches over the past, five, six years uh, that Taker's been involved in at WrestleMania, I mean, the match in and of itself wasn't a great match, and it's I, 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 it's one of the more shocking things uh, I can remember in recent wrestling history. It was it was shocking, Ken, but honestly, let's backtrack and, and, and show uh, just talk about how the feud started uh, a couple months ago. I think that you had two part-time wrestlers that pretty much Paul Heyman carried this whole feud um, in terms of storylines build up all the way up until WrestleMania. So let's go back from that point and, and talk about how just I, I feel, honestly, that the, the, the storylines were bad. The, there were two part-time wrestlers. They did nothing to get you to buy into this match. And there was nothing that made you think that The Undertaker was going to win and actually kick out of three F5s. I mean, I honestly was as shocked as you were when he kicked out of three. But again, nothing led you to believe that this was going to be a typical Undertaker match at WrestleMania, even though that Brock Lesnar is physically stronger than Undertaker and, you know, much younger. So give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think the build was, was very good. I mean, I think Heyman did the best that, that he could, um, you know, I totally agree with you. I, I, I mean, I heard what you guys were saying. Uh, you know, if, if it truly was Taker's decision to, to give this to Brock Lesnar, I mean, you, you got to respect that. Um, as an outside observer, you know, I, I don't think of him as deserving of, of this honor. Um, you know, and it's tough to build something like this, something this big, uh, as a part-timer, especially, you know, over the past few years, you know, the, the streak really had, had gained, uh, you know, something borderline, uh, you know, modern-day folklore. And, uh, you know, the build with the two Michaels matches and the two Triple H matches, uh, the build into the, the last two matches, last year with Punk and, and this year with Lesnar, I don't think the builds were great at all for either one of them. In fact, even looking back to last year, um, if, if Paul Bearer doesn't pass away and they don't use that, that build was fairly mediocre last year. So it did, it was apparent that the taker was definitely on his last legs. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the dramatic factor uh, going into this that the build wasn't there, and again, it's just it's shocking. And for me as a fan, I, mean, I know wrestling fans go back and forth, uh, debated it. I wanted him to retire undefeated. That was the, the camp I was in. Some people debated on who deserved to get the rub and break the street. I wanted to see him stay undefeated. So I just, I mean, I, for me, I just think at this point, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's got to be done. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, Joe and I, um, you know, and I was talking about this before you called in, Joe and I respect Undertaker, but we've always hated the streak personally. Um, between the two of us completely independent of each other. And we've always hated the fact that, you know, and Paul Heyman said it in the buildup. Hulk Hogan couldn't go undefeated. John Cena, who I can't stand, couldn't go undefeated. Um, you know, The Rock hasn't gone undefeated. In fact, he has a pretty bad record at WrestleMania. Um, Austin, I mean, you name it, nobody has gone undefeated. And for Taker to have done it, it just it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Once the streak became a big deal, which didn't happen, you know, it really you know, wasn't even mentioned probably 
until, if, if I remember correctly, the trip, the first Triple H match, you know, which WWE, you know, has it, the last couple of years, it had me forget that they had ever fought. But, um, you know, it, before the last two WrestleManias, you know, the matches was with Triple H. But, you know, you made an interesting point about about Punk. You're absolutely right. The buildup was not very good up until, unfortunately, Paul Bear passed away. But, I mean, this buildup was so terrible, and it was so bad, and it was just on so many levels, it just seemed so blind. I even told Joe, I talked about it last week, I said the only thing that Brock Lesnar looked weak, he looked he looked beatable, he looked the, as bad as he's looked, you know, in terms of the feud. Taker got in everything, and then all of a sudden with one close on an F5, you're supposed to believe that he's going to end the streak. And amazingly enough, he does end the streak. You know, again, totally shocked. I know, Ken, you've seen the pictures. That one dude, uh, the, the black guy with, with the glasses and the white shirt with the uh, Just Say Yes shirt, and he's like, his eyes are bugging out. I mean, that's been all over the Internet. It's been all over Twitter. But, um, you know, but before we, we continue with that, just tell us, how, where were you seated? I mean, I think Joe mentioned that he saw you at you, – you went to a Hall of Fame ceremony, correct? Yes. I think Joe said that he saw you. I don't know if he was messing with you, but I think he said he saw you on the feed. But where were you seated for WrestleMania? I mean, how close were you? Um, we, had, we had decent seats. We were, we were kind of close to uh, – we're like the next section up uh, near the entrance ramp. So we had okay. decent seats. They weren't like ringside or exceptionally close, but we were decent seats. Right. Well, I mean, you probably would have had to sold a couple of uh, organs, the major organs, to be able to get exactly. at WrestleMania. But, but, you know, going back to the whole match and everything, I mean, I, I thought Taker looked old. I thought he looked beat up. I thought that, you know, Lesnar, like Joe said, Taker was looking up at the lights most of the match. And I guess Taker really knew that his time was done, and that's why he decided on this, because it's just, again, such a shock and just something that it still hasn't settled in. You know, Joe called me the instant the match was over, so we, we were talking about it with each other. But, I mean, I'm sure that the people in the audience, they're probably waiting for the match to be restarted, saying that you said that there was a mistake or whatever the case is. Do you think that that kill? I mean, all right, let's be honest. The Divas match is a, it's a bathroom break for everybody. But the crowd seemed completely out of it for that next match, and they seemed out of it up until things really started to get good in the triple threat, which we'll get to in a second. But, I mean, did that take all the wind out of the crowd, you know, completely, or was it just something that it took people a while to even get back into that final match? No, it did. In fact, I think even even the crowd getting into the final match, I, I still don't think they were as impassioned as maybe they would have if, if Taker had won, it, it really did. And, you know, you, you talk about the Divas, and yes, it's for many people, it's the bathroom break match. But <laughs> I, I thought for the Divas, they actually put on a decent match. It was one of the better Divas matches I've seen in a long time. There are a couple of decent spots in it. Um, so it was an entertaining match, but the crowd wanted nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really was like one of those moments where the air was just completely sucked out of that building and people... It's like, did, did that really just happen? Um, I think everyone was waiting for a restart to that match um, until they saw the 21-1 and graphic go up on the big screen, and then it was, wow, this really just happened. But I, I agree with you. I mean, I think Taker looked old. Um, you know, we had talked about on our show that even going into it and during the build, I mean, when Taker came back, he just looked old. He looked skinny. Um, he just and I love Undertaker. I really I yeah, was a yeah. big Undertaker fan, and I just when he first came back for the beginning of this build, my gut reaction was was please retire soon. Like I just didn't want to see right. the Undertaker like this. And even you know his footage floating around, uh, you know him after WrestleMania walking out of his hotel, and I mean he's. I think he's 48, 49 years old, and the way he was walking out of the hotel, I mean, he looked 80. Wow. And, uh, you know, on some levels, it's like I hate the fact that the streak is over. On other levels, I'm kind of glad that this looks like it's the end for Taker and great career, Hall of Famer, you know, all the accolades in the world. Uh, but it's time for him to hang it up. Right. I, I agree with you too, Ken. Um, what do you think? What do you think the collateral damage is from a point of view that you said you want to see Undertaker go undefeated in his career 
and undefeated at WrestleMania. What do you think now? Um, the, like I said, the collateral damages for somebody like Brock Lesnar is this his big push for the next year or so, or is this a one one shining moment for him and it's like the biggest shock and awe moment of the of the year? Um, do you think that there's any positive effects that come out of this for Brock Lesnar? Well, you know, I really started, you know, because we're all wrestling fans and we think about this stuff way too much. So <laughs> as I thought about it and, and continue to think about it and reanalyze. And, uh, you know, one thing that I actually thought of was, uh, you know, as much as I think that, that Brock Lesnar did not deserve to be the guy, um, even though Taker said it, so i got to respect that. But, you know, is this more of, rather than looking at this as, a rub for Brock Lesnar is this a rub for Paul Heyman and is this does he deserve it because when I started to think in terms of that does Paul Heyman deserve this he's more deserved than like a Brock Lesnar he's 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 been in the business he loves wrestling he's he's gone through his struggles um you know is is more like you're saying the collateral damage I mean I I think Unless there's some secret deal behind the scenes, I think we're still going to see Brock Lesnar as a part-time player. I think that's why when he came out on Monday Night Raw, we didn't hear him say, you know, I challenge Daniel Bryan for the title or I want this next. Like, he, didn't, he didn't give you his next challenge. So I think Lesnar's still going to be a part-time player. But this is something big for Heyman, and maybe that's, that's how fans should look at it as, you know, Heyman being the guy who managed the guy who ended the streak. You know, how big is this going to be for him as a manager? You know, the art of managing has been dead for a long time in pro wrestling. Now you're starting to see it coming back with what Zeb Coulter's doing. Paul Heyman stole the show on Monday Night Raw. You know, is this something that really winds up helping a guy like Cesaro now that Heyman is, is such a high-profile manager? So it's when I look at like the collateral, I, that's I, I more look at how this this really could be a, an incredible positive for a guy like Heyman going forward, and how he uses it, and how he becomes that mastermind manager, almost like you know how he grew up with a Bobby the Brain Heenan. Does does Heyman become that guy? Does Heyman be you know maybe start a little bit of a stable? So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, when I'm looking at a philosophical end, like maybe that's where the collateral damage is. Because I think that for fans, aside from respecting what The Undertaker would want and what his decision was, I think almost across the board, most fans are going to say a part-time player does not deserve a rub like this. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I talked about this again before you signed on, and I was thinking – I was thinking that um, in terms of the person who broke the streak, I mean, maybe maybe the maybe the pressure would have been so great on this person to succeed and have an amazing Hall of Fame-like career. Let's say it was Roman Reigns or whoever the case was if they decided to pick somebody else. Maybe that would have been so debilitating and so crippling that Taker was like, you know what, let me not do that to somebody else and let me just do this with my friend who is the most believable person to break the streak in terms of, you know, physically – because, um, I mean, I thought Shawn Michaels was going to – I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. I thought he was going to break it both times. Um, I actually said that I would re- I would never watch wrestling again if Shawn Michaels lost at WrestleMania 26, which he lost at WrestleMania 26, and I'm still watching it you know, four years later. But, um, you know, you have that whole factor of it. And, and let me just say this. I absolutely love Paul Heyman. I always have. But he is the only guy in, in that I can imagine who could do what he did last night he literally, Paul Heyman literally was a, a, the, the manager of the biggest heel on the planet, technically, in, in hour one of the show. And in an hour two, he's coming out to be the, the manager of a face in Cesaro. So Heyman was simultaneously a heel manager and a face manager on the exact same night, which is something I've never seen before, something I've never heard of the minute that Cesaro said he was a Paul Heyman guy. That building exploded. There were no boos for Paul. There was they completely forgot about him and Lesnar. They just thought, Wow, this is huge for Cesaro and this is a big deal. And again, only Paul Heyman could have pulled off something like that. And I mean I have high hopes for Cesaro. I told Joe and I'm gonna call this now. I think Cesaro wins the Royal Rumble. I think he's gonna headline WrestleMania thirty one. I'm i I'm locking it down now, uh, barring injury, but 
Um, you know, give us, give us your thoughts on that, if you could, quickly, because there, there's, like, two more matches that I'd like to get to, really, the other two big matches of the night. Um, but give us your thoughts on the whole, you know, Heyman heel face thing and then um, how big of an honor it is for Cesaro, I mean, for this whole thing with him. Well, it's great. It's great for Cesaro. And I, I love Cesaro. I've been a Cesaro fan for a while, and I think he's a guy, like, sky's the limit for how far that guy can go. Um, I think, you know, we, you know, with Triple H – you know, labeling this now the reality era, and you're hearing that they want to kind of go away from the traditional idea of a face and heel and kind of blur the lines a little bit. Um, I think, you know, this might be part of that whole plan. Like, why not have a – and if anyone could pull it off as a manager, it's Paul Heyman. So why not have a guy who's got a stable – and one guy is, is the ultimate heel, and one guy is one of the most popular up-and-coming babyfaces and see how he does. I agree with you. It would not shock me at all if we see something going into WrestleMania next year, which would be amazing with Heyman in the, in the mix, to have over the course of this year, Lesnar comes back, wins the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. He's the champ going into WrestleMania, and Cesaro winds up winning the Royal Rumble, and then your main event is Paul Heyman guy versus Paul Heyman guy for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. That would be – book it. Joe, write that down. Send it to him. Let's book that for WrestleMania 31. <laughs> it's funny how we're actually booking WrestleMania 31 when it's only two days removed from WrestleMania 30. Let's try to break down this card first before we get into, you know, Cesaro winning the Royal Rumble, uh, Dave. So uh, let's talk about the, the main event, the triple threat, Basically, Daniel Bryan gets into the main event after beating Triple H to open the show. And um, as I'm thinking about this, I do want to get your comment on one more thing, too, before we actually go into the main event. I want to talk about probably the coolest, night, the coolest moment of the night probably happened to open up the show at WrestleMania when you had the host Hulk Hogan come down, followed by Stone Cold oh, Steve Austin. And it must have been hilarious to, to hear uh, in person to hear Hulk Hogan called the uh, – you know, the Superdome, the Silverdome, two times before he got corrected, and then have, the, you know, three icons in the ring. What a moment that was. Ken, give us your thoughts on that, being live in person to see basically Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock all in the ring at the same time sharing a moment. That must have been pure gold. That was incredible. It really, I mean, I'm, I'm a diehard Hogan mark. I completely marked out when he came out. Um, you know, I thought it was funny that he said Silverdome and the crowd started chanting Superdome, and then, you know, he kind of laughed it off, and it became a, a running gag for the evening. But, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was, it was just it was great to see those three legends, uh, three guys that, that really could talk, see them uh, sharing a beer together. I mean, the crowd was, was unbelievable off the hook when, you know, Hogan came out, and it, went, it got crazy, stone cold. You heard the glass shatter, and it just that much more. And then The Rock came out. I mean, the place was going absolutely nuts. And I thought, you know, philosophically, you know, those three guys, they had their, their moment where you had these three legends, and they really kind of, they put it out there. Like, now it's time for those guys in the back to, to you know, essentially take the ball and run with it. Uh, I think what you looked at over the course of, of this whole, you know, WrestleMania and Raw, it's a changing of the guards. You know, there's, the, the youth is definitely taking over. And I thought it was really cool that you had three legends in the ring that, you know, said their piece and then were like, really, you know, it's time for those guys in the back to come out and, and give us a show. And I was really impressed, you know, with, with the WWE locker room because, I, I mean, like I said, it was unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm sure it kind of translated at home on TV, but words can't do it justice what the crowd was like during that opening segment. I mean, it, bouncing off the walls. The crowd was hot. And then they, they hit you with the first match being Triple H and, and Daniel Bryan. The first thing I said to, to my girlfriend as we were standing there, I'm just, the, the rest of the show might, might crap the bed. I mean, the, the energy <laughs> level was so high at the beginning of the show. It was like, how are they going to be able to sustain this? And you know what? Not that it was at that high level the whole show, but they really put on a good show that night. And there was never really that big you know, oh, God, the show's bragging now. Um, so they, they hit a home run to start off, and they really, you know, it was a really good WrestleMania. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, Ken. And, and this is, I'll tell you this much, coming from 
two guys who are extremely negative at times about wrestling, and we really crap on the product. Um, it, but Joe and I both gave it a B plus. We thought it was the best WrestleMania in years. We absolutely thought, I mean, you know, the action, the everything. It's it's it, it was just good. It was a really good, solid overall product. Absolutely loved it. Um, my my biggest complaint was John Cena beating um, Bray Wyatt, and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, I have I have a, two questions for you. We're gonna get into the main event. But um, did you happen to bring a change of clothes with you uh, to change into <laughs> after you crapped your pants when you saw Hogan and Austin rock in the ring at the same time? <laughs> I probably should have. <laughs> but I was, I was, good. I was able to, to keep my bowels in check. Listen, the funny thing, right, is that Joe tells me, uh, you know, we're communicating with each other, um, you know, as, as we're talking and stuff, and he tells me that he would have crapped his pants, and I literally said that that's what I was going to chime in on when he was talking about it. So, you know, great minds, great minds think alike. But I tell you, when uh, the second that Austin's music hit, I went on Twitter and I tweeted, Austin Rock uh, Hogan, you know, in, in a second. And then, of course, The Rock came out, and it was just amazing. My favorite part of the whole show, honestly, was watching Steve Austin laugh hysterically at the whole Silver Dome, Superdome thing, and just to see them kind of like be themselves and, uh, you know, chiming in the Hall of Fame for a second. My favorite moment of the Hall of Fame was when Wade Barrett came out, got the biggest pop of the night, basically, and, and they're zooming in on Cody Rhodes and Big Sean, all these guys laughing hysterically when Ray, Wade uh, ripped the crowd as far as, you know, the closest they'll ever get to the Hall of Fame. I mean, they absolutely loved it. I like to see that whole... A human aspect and their, them breaking character and stuff. But, um, you know, getting on to the main event, this match was much better than I thought it was going to be. I honestly sometimes wonder what would have happened if they were stuck with Orton and Batista as the main event. I mean, the crowd seemed hot for it. That They were hot for the finish. It was a really interesting. Uh, it was a good triple threat. They did a great job. Batista, all three of them, you know, put on a great show. And I'm no Randy Orton fan, but, you know, they really tore down the house. Considering what they had to follow, I thought, you know, they, they definitely the right guy went over. They built up this, this whole thing for years. Uh, I mean, excuse me, they built this whole thing up for months, seemed like years. And I think that uh, the best thing that happened to Daniel Bryan was CM Punk leaving the WWE because he was able to, to take his what would have been his match against Triple H. And the fact that Triple H put him over in the first match of the night, I mean, when have you ever seen Triple H open up WrestleMania, by the way? But the fact that he put them over, they had a good match, and then they had a great triple threat to end it with Brian going over. Uh, you know, give us your thoughts on that, sir. Yeah, I mean, I thought they did a real nice job with the triple threat match. Um, and, and the opening match was great. I mean, Triple H, people had their opinions about Triple H, and you're right, you know, when does he ever open a WrestleMania? But, you know, the, the guy can go, and, and he can step up on the big stage. And, uh, you know, I thought the opening match was a real good match. I thought finally, you know, I mean, I've never been a big Batista fan. Right. Uh, you know, when he came back, it wasn't like I hated him coming back. I think what really took away from Batista was he just looked awful in the Royal Rumble. I mean, he really right. just looked like he was just not conditioned to be back in professional wrestling. I thought he looked good in the triple threat. Um, Definitely. I thought, and I think Orton is, is an underrated performer and, and uh, he was he was great, and it just did, you know, especially following what happened with Taker, you know, it definitely took the crowd a little bit to get into that match. The crowd really picked up uh, when Stephanie and Triple H came out, and that that whole shenanigans. That's really where the crowd really started to get into the main event. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a real good match. Uh, the only thing, if I had like one criticism, the only thing that kind of got me uh, with everything was that you know. Triple H nails uh, Daniel Bryan with a chair in the opening match. Um, he winds up, you know, he has to deal with the, the ref uh, debacle. Then it's the, uh, the powerbomb into the RKO. Then he's on the stretcher. It was like, all right, we get it. He's the ultimate underdog. We get it. Like, he doesn't need any more obstacles thrown his way. <laughs> you're, you're right about that because... Um, I thought that was overkill myself, but uh, when you look at the storyline, at least it had a great build-up in terms of you know Triple H not feeling like um, not feeling that Daniel Bryan was the face of the, the company and wouldn't be a face of the company. And I, 
you know, I, I actually saw Triple H's point throughout the eight months building up to this feud. But, you know, you needed to have Dan Bryan go over after all the things that he went through between the Yes Movement, all the things that Triple H threw in his way. Um, I thought it was a great opening match. And uh, believe it or not, and Dave is going to rip me for this one, I know, but I actually have WWE Network, and I watched Thy Kingdom come for the first time a couple of days ago before WrestleMania, and I have a newfound respect for Triple H, not only as a wrestler, but just all the stuff that he actually has to deal with you know, being the the, the son-in-law of Vince McMahon. So um, if you get a chance, uh, if you haven't, Ken or Dave, I really suggest you watch Thy Kingdom Come because that will give you, I think, a newfound respect on him. So uh, by chance, did any of you guys have seen that documentary? I actually, it's, it's funny, I just I just watched it recently on the network as well. And uh, I've never been a Triple H hater. I mean, I've always kind of, I get it, and I get, you know, marrying the boss's daughter is definitely going to, Put some fans in, in a in a spot where they're just not gonna, you know, they're not gonna be into him. But I, I've never hated him, and I love what he's doing now because I've always I, I find Triple H, um, you know, he's not horrible, but as a face, he's he's fairly uninteresting. He's a guy that I've always appreciated his uh, ability to to really nail the heel psychology, and uh, you know, I love what he's saying. Using Daniel Bryan, you know, it's tough nowadays because fans, uh, you know, they, they cheer for certain heels. They boo certain faces. It's a different era. And uh, using Daniel Bryan, um, Triple H has really made himself a bona fide old-school heel, like where he comes out and he gets he gets booed. And uh, he's definitely kind of sliding into that, quote-unquote, Mr. McMahon kind of role, and I think he's done a really good job with it. Um, curious to see. and the funny thing is though as he moves into the COO character I really thought he looked great on Sunday so uh, oh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the ring a little bit more but uh, yeah I thought Kingdom Come was awesome it was a good documentary and uh, I, I really dig what Triple H is doing right now with the COO character well, and just again, sorry Joe not to cut you off but you mentioned it Triple H is always a bland face unless it was with you know DX and Sean and even that sense it was a bit much he really is a better heel than he is a face. And, uh, you know, he was able to kind of, like, reinvent himself, um, you know, in, in terms of in terms of that whole thing. So I'm going it, to – it's on the network, so I'm going to watch it when I get a chance. I mean, Joe's over here frothing at the mouth at how great that was, and Triple H is awesome. <laughs> I've always liked Triple H personally. I've always thought that he gets unfairly criticized for the whole marrying the boss's daughter thing. I mean, he's, he's not Rock. He's not Hogan. He's not Austin. He's not on that level. But he's definitely in, in, in one of the highest tiers uh, of wrestling and better than most that have ever laced on a pair of boots. So, uh, Joe, uh, not to, you know, let's go back to you, sir. No, that's okay. You mentioned highest tier, and uh, uh, Ken, I just want to get your take on this. We'll talk about it, and then I want to get your final thought just on the overall weekend, your experience, and just I want I'm going to give you my thought on the Hall of Fame itself, and you tell me if if I had a good feel for it. But before we get into all of that, I just want to talk about the other big match of the night, the whole John Cena versus Bray Wyatt match, and I talked about this for the last couple weeks leading into WrestleMania. I thought that John Cena, win or lose this match at WrestleMania, would not do anything to his persona, his character. He's still Super Cena to me. He wins whenever he, he needs to win. He looks like he, his winning percentage is, is off the charts. Not like Undertaker at WrestleMania, but still, this guy's winning percentage is unreal. I just don't understand why a match at WrestleMania, why Cena couldn't put over Bray Wyatt. Do you think this was a smart move on, on you know, the WWE's part, or do you think that Cena just beat... Because I, I feel Bray Wyatt now, whenever you lose to John Cena, you get put into mid-card for life, and you, it's very hard, very, very hard to get it out of it, the mid-card after you've lost to John Cena, especially at WrestleMania. No, I, I, honestly, i got to disagree with you. I, I, think it was a, I think it was a real solid match, and I think Bray Wyatt's a star. Uh, regardless, I don't think anything can stop. Uh, he's too talented. He's he's his promos are off off the chart. Um, I, I just looked at it more that this you know when you go into WrestleMania, a lot of these matches wind up being your blow off matches, and you know after WrestleMania they move into a different story storyline. Um, to me, in my opinion, the storyline still has legs. It's still got a long way to go. I, I really enjoyed the subtleties and the storytelling uh, in the match. Um, and I thought even though Cena won, you know, the idea that, you know, when he was tempted to hit Wyatt with the chair, 
it it was subtle storytelling. I, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of you know John Cena's always been John Cena, you know, hustle, loyalty, respect, and and you know the honorable guy and the fact that he was tempted to use a chair. I, I thought was good storytelling. I think it's something that uh, you know he's Bray Wyatt. He's young. He's new. Uh, you know, losing to John Cena to me is not horrible WrestleMania because. He was in a match at WrestleMania. He was he was picked to to put in the, um, the match at WrestleMania with John Cena, which is an honor in and of itself. I also think, like I said, we're moving into a, an era where it's kind of a changing of the guard. So I, you know, not that we're not going to see Cena perhaps have another run with the title, but I think we're moving out of the, the John Cena era. You know, he'll be around. He'll have significant storylines. So. Uh, you know, we'll see him. He's going to be a big part of Raw, but uh, there are a lot of other guys that are stepping up and moving more into that main event status. I mean, let's face it, at WrestleMania, John Cena was in a quote-unquote mid-card match. Um, so, I, so I think that the win by Cena, you know, the loss by Wyatt is not bad. I, I, I would say eventually, and it wouldn't shock me if the story, I mean, Bray Wyatt is so good if we see the storyline kind of build for a couple of pay-per-views and, and eventually we do see Wyatt go over, uh, but as the storyline continues to build. Right. And Ken, I definitely respect your take on it because, you know, if this it does mean the shift of the John Cena era uh, moving away from being the mainstream, then I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. My f- yeah, yes. definitely. Yes. <laughs> my, yes. My, final t- my final take uh, of the whole weekend, and you could just get, sum it up for a me- sum it up for us after the, um, my question about the Hall of Fame is that I watched the whole Hall of Fame on the WWE Network. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that just my um, initial, not my initial thoughts, my, my quick thoughts on it is that I thought Lita's speech was way too long. I thought that, um, you know, Jim Warrior's speech was, was good, but it was all over the place. But I thought the highlight of the night for me personally was when Jake the Snake spoke about when he gave his speech i thought that was the highlight of the night for me because i thought that he spoke from the heart he just told it like it is and i i really thought that was the highlight of the night for myself so give us your thought on the whole fame give us your thought on the whole weekend your experience this year and um any other you know closing thoughts hey, well, as far as the hall of fame goes I, I mean i and i love the hall of fame i mean i've been lucky and we planned our vacations around wrestlemania everyone since 25 so uh I and the Hall of Fame is my favorite part of the weekend. Um, that being said, this is probably the worst Hall of Fame ceremony I've, I've gone to. Uh, I agree with you. I thought Lita rambled on for too long. Um, it was an odd night. It just seemed like I, I don't know that the powers that be that run the Hall of Fame need to talk to people and really kind of give them a definitive time limit uh, so you don't cut into other people's times. Uh, Lita, Lita seemed to ramble on. Um, Mr. T, um, although charismatic at times, uh, his speech went way too long, and they had to send Kane out to cut him off. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know. I don't know how it translated on TV, but uh, uh, Mr. T was embarrassed. He was embarrassed. Yeah. He, he, it was. It was. It was an awkward, uneasy feeling in the arena when that happened. Um, you know, and just the stuff you just don't want to see happen at a Hall of Fame, and and you know, with with uh, you know, I th- and I felt the Ultimate Warrior, you know, he rambled on and on. Um, he was a little too negative for my take, um, too much with that. Like I get it, I get the guy being pissed off. They, you know, they made a DVD, the, the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, so I get it. But I think he talked a little bit too much about the negativity. Um, it could have been a, you know. Chris said it, it hurt him, um, but now I'm back, and so I'm glad we're able to make amends and kind of leave it at that. Um, and he just rambled on and on. I mean, at one point, and I'm assuming they showed it on TV, but they, they cut to uh, one of the Usos watching his Hall of Fame speech, and he was yawning. They just happened to catch him in mid-yawn. Like, that yeah. just doesn't look good. So, those, I mean, those, those speeches just were, were tough to sit through. I agree with you. The, the highlight of the night, was definitely Jake the Snake, um, especially because the induction speech at DDP, I thought, gave a great speech. He did. Yeah. And uh, to induct him, and then, uh, you know, Jake the Snake spoke from the heart. And, uh, you know, both him and Razor Ramon, I mean, as a wrestling fan, and, it, it's, and it's no disrespect and no, uh, you know, I don't think I'm breaking any news or anything, but we all expected, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you expected the two of them to be dead a long time ago. 
Um, you know, you're just waiting to hear. Like, and it was not going to be a surprise. It was not going to be that, that shocking, tragic wrestling death. It was going to be, yeah, we saw that coming. Um, and to see these two guys turn their lives around and be on the same Hall of Fame class was, uh, it was pretty impressive. Paul's uh, speech was cool. It seemed like his music came on early and he was kind of cut off. Um, and I, I thought uh, Kane did a real nice job inducting Paul Bearer. And I absolutely loved uh, what The Undertaker did. I thought that was a great way for Taker to come out and pay tribute to Paul Bearer without breaking his character. So I thought uh, that was real good. As far as the weekend goes, I mean, it's one of those things that, that I, I would highly recommend to, to any wrestling fan, if you can, just just go to a WrestleMania weekend. Whatever you think about the product, whatever you think of you know, it's just, it's a great weekend for a wrestling fan to just go out and, and celebrate being a wrestling fan. You know, and when you, when you go into New Orleans, you know, you fly into New Orleans and the first thing we see are these WrestleMania banners up in the, uh, in the airport. And, you know, you're walking down Bourbon Street over the course of the weekend and 90% of the people drunk <laughs> wearing wrestling shirts. Um, yeah. You know, the yes, yes chants breaking out all over New Orleans. Um, you know, going into bars, just randomly meeting strangers and talking wrestling. Um, you know, like I said, I've been going since 25. Uh, we made friends waiting on a line at 25 that we, we've stayed in touch with. Uh, we, we ran into them uh, at Bourbon Street. Uh, Dave, my co-host, I met his brothers at WrestleMania 26. Dave has come into the fold and we, we hung out. Uh, we met up with some other friends that were sitting behind us in Miami that we, we kept in touch with. And it's just, it's, it's a great weekend just to bond over being a wrestling fan. And I know a lot of wrestling fans, you know, who maybe don't like the creative direction of the WWE is going in at a given time. Just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to shut up the money because it, it's crap now. It's, it's <laughs> almost like the, the, I mean, WrestleMania could be terrible and I'd still want to go and participate in WrestleMania weekend. Cause it's, it's just a, a fun way. It's a weekend more more than just the event in and of itself. It's it's the it's a weekend to just celebrate pro wrestling and and being a wrestling fan. And the other thing is just it's surreal because you you don't know. We went to one bar and we ran into the Usos, Tamina, uh, Vicky Guerrero, and they were just hanging out at that bar. I wound up take, talking about tattoos with one of the Usos. Uh, we, you know, we saw RVD, uh, Al Snell walking down the street. We saw Greg Valentine kind of staggering down Bourbon Street. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it's just kind of this real surreal atmosphere where, you know, the entire world of pro wrestling kind of takes over a city for, for a weekend. And it was just, it, it was a blast. It really was a great time. Well, you know, definitely, uh, Definitely some great stuff there, Ken. Um, you know, it's just hopefully one of these days Joe and I will be able to get there, uh, you know, check it out, you know, once we've got a, you know, once we decide not to put our kids through college and just, you know, spend all the money that, that we have to get there. But, uh, listen, it was really a pleasure having you on, sir. Um, you know, I'm glad you were able to enjoy it. I'm glad you were able to experience everything. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, one day Joe and I will be able to get out there and, and have some fun with that. Um, again, you know, your show – Wait, when is your show air, sir? Just plug that before we let you go. Sure, we do. Uh, you know, our pro wrestling talk show Mondays, uh, six thirty to eight o'clock. It's kind of a a raw pregame, and then whenever there's a pay per view on Sundays, we go six to eight right before the pay per views. Good stuff, and of course for Extreme Rules, I'm sure you'll be doing that. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure, and hopefully we'll be able uh, to have thanks you for having me. in the near future. Take care, sir. Cool. Take, take it care. easy. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Ken. Folks, that was the one and only Ken Reedy. And, Joe, I believe you wanted to, uh, you know, transition, sir? Yeah, and while we only have about, like, six minutes to go, it's great that we uh, have Pyro Falcon on to break down the Divas match and talk about the WWE Network difficulties, you know, with the streaming. So let's get right into the highlight of the match, which was the Divas match for Pyro. Talk about the technical difficulties that we all had because, let's face it, the WWE Network really didn't do uh, any justice in fixing the, the stream uh, pretty much, there's you know, Dave is telling me that he's watching the whole pay-per-view again. Pyro's telling me he's 10 minutes behind. 
With all that said, we welcome Pyro Falcon from OnlineOnslaught.com. Sir, what did you think about the pay-per-view in general? I was just kidding about the the, the Divas match. <laughs> That's good, even though that's usually the match I pay the most attention to. Uh, the whole pay-per-view was pretty good. Um, it, I wouldn't say it was among my best or favorite WrestleManias, but, you know, it's still WrestleMania, which means it's better than most pay-per-views, or maybe that's just only hey, in my imagination, but who cares? Yeah. I hate to cut you off, but I have to cut you off. Um, Triple H just tweeted this on his official Twitter account, and apparently the Ultimate Warrior has passed away. Um, what? He just, his tweet was, saddened to announce the passing of the Ultimate Warrior icon friend. My sympathy to his wife, Dana, and his daughters. This is from Triple H's uh, official Twitter account. We just saw him last night, right? Yeah. He was just there last night. Uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on, um, Wikipedia, you're right. It just said that. That's, just shocking. I can't even... I, I've got nothing even to say to that. How, how does that even happen? <laughs> wow. Jeez. Um, yeah, Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn retweeted it. I mean, it's all over Twitter right now. Holy crap. Holy I mean, hung up crap. At 10 and I saw it, and I was like, oh, no, this can't be legit. It was on Facebook, and yeah, apparently this is it. The ultimate word has passed away. I cannot believe it. Yeah, I mean, he looked okay. Just a couple days ago, even last even last night. Uh, that, that, wow, Dave, uh, that that's a downer. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's completely that completely changes the tone of the whole show. Everything we were just talking about. I mean, it's pretty much it doesn't mean anything at this point. I mean, obviously none of us knew the Ultimate Warrior personally, but holy crap! I mean, this is this is horrible. I mean, he looked he looked perfectly fine. Wow. He was um, only 54. That's way, way too early. Wow. I, I honestly, folks, like, I, I cannot believe this. And in case, uh, in case you just missed it, if you're just tuning in, uh, the Ultimate Warrior has passed away. Oh, boy. This is, this is the saddest. Uh, and I honestly cannot remember a moment in WWE history. Yeah, and it's on WWE.com. I cannot believe this. Um, he yeah, just signed this long-term deal with the WWE. I mean, I know they have his DVD coming out. I mean, you know they're going to do something on Monday to, to well, SmackDown probably. They're going to have air graphic and do a video package and all that stuff. I mean, this is literally unbelievable. The guy just got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, and we can, there's no point in talking about whether he was deserving of it or not. Um, but this is, this is literally I've ne- I cannot imagine anything like this happening, and it's not the type of thing you expect. I know one of my favorite comedians, John Panette, passed away during WrestleMania. They just were talking about it, and that really, ke- to me, killed the whole buzz of the main event because I liked him, you know, a, a big fan of his. But this is just insane, guys. I honestly cannot believe it. Still in shock. <laughs> uh, wow. wow. I, I don't know what to say. What What can you say? I mean, you're over here joking around. You know, obviously we're joking around about the Divas match, but, I mean, this is literally part of my friends, but this is like a kick in the nuts. It's an absolute, complete and utter shock. Um, and, man, I'm, like I said, we were just talking to Ken Rainey about this. Um, this is, I mean, how do you... How do you go... Where do you go from this? I mean, what... What in the world could you possibly talk about at this point that would even make sense? And the only reason I believe it was legitimate is because uh, somebody posted it, and it was, and somebody said, "Hey, um, Stephanie McMahon, Billy Gunn retweeted it, and the WWE retweeted it." So I, you know, you guys are chatting, and I look, and sure enough, there it is. I mean, just complete and utter shock, folks. Um, you know, as big as big of fans as as I was, I was like, "That's a war." Was never a huge fan of his. I was always a Hogan guy, but I never disliked him. My friend Carlos, one of my best friends, actually was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan. And, um, I mean, this is literally, wow. It's, it's surreal. I mean, it's, it's surreal because, you. I mean, I wanted to get into the streak, and I thought that was surreal. But to, to actually watch the entire Hall of Fame, 
uh, from start to finish, wait for Jim Warrior to come out, which he called himself Jim Warrior, to come out and give that speech, which I thought was okay. I thought he was all over the place at times. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, he gave it from the heart, at least. He, he, he really spoke from the heart, and I thought the fans gave him a great ovation. And then he comes out last night, just, I don't know what else to say than, uh, than I'm, I'm sh- more shocked now than when Undertaker was pinned for the 1-2-3 at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, there, there's honestly, there's no comparison to it. But, um, you know, when you talk about shock, you talk about, wow, I mean, what do you say? It's unbelievable. Absolutely. Are you still with us? I hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm just as shocked as you are. I'm guessing that there's going to be an. I'm guessing there's going to be an article on your website in the next twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Writing it right now. He's probably writing it right now. Man. Uh, I think maybe it's just best that we close out and maybe have Pyro on again, and we could talk about WrestleMania next week because. I think everything else is just pointless right now at this point. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, there's not a whole lot of... I mean, how how do you talk about fake wrestling and fake combat when something like this happens just that quick? It's Yeah. And the crazy thing I don't is, know. I know, you, like Joe, you said, I mean, he, he looked like he was in good shape. I mean, he looked fine. He, he, he Yeah, exactly. Speech. I mean, he was even talking about how, how weak assets, to quote him, it was that, you know, guys take their lives and, you know... And this is going to sound weird to you guys, but some of the things he said in his speech, looking back at it now, and again, we don't know how or what he passed away or whatever, but it's almost like the type of thing somebody says before they go. You know, he was saying about how the greatest thing he ever did in his life was his daughters and, you know, the legacy he'll live on, that the Ultimate Warrior character will live on in the hearts and minds of fans forever, which you kind of expect him yeah. to say. But he was talking about how weak ass it was for these guys who, who and I'm sure he was talking a little bit about Scott Hall and Jake, Jake Roberts, who thank God they got their lives turned around. And, of course, he gave kudos to DDP for helping turn their lives around. But um, just, you know, how you have this life and you can't waste it and you got to live it, and it's just it's just amazing. It really is. And, oh, wow, this is, this is a total shock. You know, it, it, I, I feel bad we didn't even get a chance to really talk to Pyro or anything, but, man, it goes to show it's, you that. It's fine. I mean, like I said, it's... it's Anything I would have had to say is paled in comparison or importance to this. This is just, I don't know. I got nothing. Oh, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're absolutely right, man. And, you know, it's, it's I, can't, I can't believe this. I mean, breaking news is on the website. I mean, I, you think stuff like this is a joke. You don't think that this is legitimately, this legitimately happened. And, you know, again, we saw him on Monday. We saw him on Sunday. It looked amazing. You know, great shape, everything, he looked fine, and then all of a sudden he's gone, man, and, and like you said, Pyro, 54 years old, you know, this is this is one of the biggest deaths, and I hope there's no, no you know, bad, not, no bad causes, nothing to taint his legacy or his life or anything like that, because ultimately that's all he has left at this point, kids and everything, but, um, you know, yeah. our, thoughts and our, prayers, our, our thoughts and our prayers go out to his family, but holy crap, man. This is just like... Yeah, I mean, with respect, I don't think it's even good to remotely speculate about it. I mean, you never know. I just, no, I, I know. I, I mean, not, if this not, is super not, breaking, you know. I'm not trying to speculate. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, looking at it long yeah, term, yeah. you always hope. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I understand. Whenever I hear this stuff, my first thing is always, man, I hope it was natural causes, because... Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit aside, you know, wrestling, you talk about... Um, these guys passing away, injuries, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. It's always, you know, it always seems like these guys go way too soon, man. Like, I remember the saddest wrestling death for me was uh, was the Macho Man, you know, when he passed away because I yeah. was totally shocked. You know, but at least, at least if nothing else, in terms of his wrestling career, his wife was there for him uh, at the WrestleMania speech. I mean, he, he, he got that moment. He got the moment that somebody like, like, um, man, Macho Man will never get so you know at least he had that much which is insane you know Ken I'm, I'm talking to Ken Reedy who was just on the show and he's telling me how he's stunned and just sad and I actually broke the news to him uh, and this is all over Twitter but listen Pyro uh, again thank you for, thank you for coming on it's it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to talk but 
I mean, considering that you're basically a, a member of the, of the staff or the show and you're on here all the time, I mean, you know, we'll be able to talk to you easily next week. I know we do have a guest, but uh, we'll make sure to be able to give you plenty of time uh, next Tuesday. But um, even in terms, yeah, of, absolutely, in terms of in terms of that, like, what, what is there to talk about? You know, so let's see. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're gonna we're gonna close out. But sir, uh, again, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Take care, man. Wow, Joe, this is this is literally utter shock. I don't know. I, I almost feel like the same way when we're watching that pay-per-view with Owen Hart. I mean, I'm feeling that same type of, like, did this just really happen? I mean, like, I'm I'm so saddened to hear this because I just saw him. We just saw him a couple of days. We saw him last night show up on Raw. So, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. And he was he was on he was at the Hall of Fame on Saturday, he was at WrestleMania on Sunday, and he was on Raw on Monday. So I mean he's literally been all over WWE programming. And like I said, at the very least, sir, at the absolute very least, he got to have that moment in the sun, you know. And, and it's a shame about Savage who never got that chance, but at least the, the Warrior did get that chance, sir. Yep. So um, let's just close out. Who who do we do have next week in terms of our guests? Uh, we're supposed to have Julie Bueller on to talk about some uh, some sports and you know what she's been up to lately. Um, you know I have to confirm with her, but we'll definitely have uh, we'll have Pyro back on again so that we can discuss WrestleMania. But it's like it's almost like what's the point? It is. I mean, but after a week of just finding out some more information, hopefully we could discuss the word a little bit more as we're speechless right now. And we'll just you know Pyro is part of the family. He's part of the Pure Gold team, extended team. So. We do want to offer him and get his take on WrestleMania as well, so uh, we'll we'll just do that next week for a little bit. No, definitely. And I had to. I mean, I had to cut him off. There's just no way when you see that. And I was actually trying to confirm it the whole time that you and him were talking. I was trying to confirm it, and when I saw it, I had to just break in there. And you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, like I said, Pyro is a part of the family, um, it would have been a little bit harder to get him back on the show and everything else. But I mean, you know, yep. he, he's pretty much on here all the time anyway. You're right. Well, folks, listen, you know, have a great night. Um, this is terrible in terms of wrestling news. Again, thoughts and prayers, condolences to his wife and his two children, his family, his friends, um, just horrible stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a have a great night and, you know, take care and spend as much time with your family as you can because you just never know. Good night, everyone. Good night.